Christina Redko. Welcome to my show, Alive. Alive. And now go off frequency to get the weather in just a moment here. Wind. Yeah. It's the end of the world. Storms, floods, heat waves, and fires. That is the California weather with climate change. How can we reverse all that? Our guest today, Gigi Perhouse, responds by making another question. Can we rehydrate California? Gigi calls herself a soil strategist, and this is what she teaches. The, the general focus is always on the soil sponge and soil health and watershed function. Didi explains why it's important to ask the question about rehydrating California. What we need to do is ask a question that inspires us to think mm -hmm. differently. What we need is, is an outrageous question and that seems beyond possibility, but that's going to lift up our, our will. The important thing is not getting the right answer, but uplifting your questions constantly, constantly asking better and better questions and getting more and more people involved in answering them. You don't, you don't do a Q&A where you're the expert and you build on each other's questions and build that sense of curiosity. That It was this curiosity that allowed Didi together with the Australian soil microbiologist and climate scientist, Walter Jenna, to travel through California asking the question, can we rehydrate California? So our tour was focused on helping people see the soil sponge uh, mm -hmm. as a concept and what would that mean, uh, not just for food production, not just for water security, for the whole water cycle, like how do transpiring plants, for example, in the Central Valley, if we had cover crops, how would that cool the Central Valley enough to suck the air up over the coastal range and down into the Central Valley again? So the Central Valley is now back to what it used to be, which was a series of wetlands. In many ways, growing the soil sponge is as simple as having Uh, cover crops that you don't till into the ground. So having cover crops on all of the farms and letting them be grazed down or mowed down, or there's different different ways of doing it without herbicides. That I mean, there's a lot to the whole concept of rehydrating California, but the soil sponge is central to the whole thing. Around the same time that Walter and I did that tour, another scientist um, named, named Michael Kravchik came through and also did a speaking tour. His work is focused on like micro dams and getting water to slow and sink. A little bit more like the permaculture idea. Keep note, soil sponge and micro dams. It's worth distinguishing between those two because together they're kind of a whole system. When I say sponge, I'm talking about the porosity of the soil structure itself. I'm not talking about just the landscape's ability to stop water and soak it in by having a big pond or a dam or something there. I do think that in certain situations, that's also necessary to find a way to, to slow the water with structures. Once the landscape is going, that shouldn't be very necessary because the plants themselves are like billions of little micro dams that are creating that turbulent flow that slows down the water instead of a straight flow where the water can speed up. 
And in a natural landscape, also beavers would be building some of those structures in the streams to slow the water down. But we killed off all the beaver in the West. Sounds of trickling water come from a beaver dam. Let's talk about the microdams now. So Michael Kravchik had come and been also giving talks about slowing and sinking water. And I think that captured people's imagination a little more because it was clearer what they could do, you know, create a dam, you know, <laughs> like then I feel like I did something. But if I just have a cover crop and there's this invisible sponge growing underground that I can't see, I can't show you, I don't feel like I did that. It is invisible. So that's been the challenge. It's like everybody wants to dig a pond or make a dam or whatever because you can have some fun with equipment and you can show your friends. What's invisible is, is harder for people to appreciate. And that's been the problem with soil all along is that all we see is the surface of it. So in the prairie states, you know, we saw these grasslands and we said, wow, look, it grows so nicely. And so they plowed it up. And they, they broke up the invisible part, which was all of this sacred space below ground, all of these holes where water could soak in. They broke it up. They broke up the structural integrity. The next time that it rained, it washed away. The next time the wind blew, it, we had the great dust bowl, blew that soil all the way to Washington, D.C. So nobody could see that there was these cathedrals underground. They just came along with their plow and plowed them up. What do you have to say about the soil carbon? Again, a third thing was happening at the same time was that California was putting a lot of money and effort into soil carbon, the soil carbon narrative. Yeah. And and that, because there was money involved, you know, people could apply for aid for practices that theoretical level would store most, more soil carbon. Not everybody agrees about that. That's the thing that has been making the most change, that's engaged people the most conversation. And again, that narrative is, if you have more soil carbon, the soil holds more water. So we still need to work on this, on the sponge concept and why, why, what is the relationship between soil carbon and water? How about the wildfires and the connection with the soil sponge? Thank you for asking that. Sometimes I forget to bring that in. It's not quite quite as direct as like the mm -hmm. connection with flooding and drought, but it, it is important. First of all, a landscape that can capture water is going to hold more water at the root zone for all of the plant and animals. So the trees will have more water for access. And also that when you have a functional soil sponge, the water cycle itself, you will likely get more rain. So like I was saying, it will pull the clouds in from the coast by having a cooler inland by having a moister inland area. So by pulling that water over the forests, a lot of those trees in California, their design, their natural design, is to harvest water on their needles through the mist and the dew, etc., and fog. And you'll see even during a very dry period um, that some of those coastal trees will have water running down their trunk and across the road in a completely dry and dusty conditions because they're harvesting it way, way up in the air, those big tall sequoias, etc. So when trees have enough water, 
first of all, they're less likely to burn, just basic, right? Like it's easier Mm -hmm. to burn dry wood. When they have enough water, they're less prone to disease like anything else. So there's a sort of a secondary effect that a lot of the dead wood is because the trees are not healthy or not getting enough water in the first place. Probably the most key effect is that if you don't have um, a soil sponge, the soil itself is not moist enough to support all of the saprophytic fungi, which are the decomposers. So when branches, leaves, needles fall on the ground, uh, or when a tree dies and falls over, it doesn't decompose. It slowly oxidizes from the sunlight, but it doesn't get naturally decomposed by the biological workforce, by those saprophytic fungi, by the chewers and the shredders and all of those insects that should be living in a healthy ecosystem. Then you have a huge fuel load. So all of that together is is how having a healthier soil sponge, having a more robust biological workforce or essential workers that are non-human can reduce wildfires. Here's the beauty of the soil sponge. It's all connected. It's all interrelated. It's all nested, as Carol Sanford likes to talk about. And the beauty of that, though, is that we can take one intervention, one nodal intervention, which is understanding and growing, creating conditions in which a soil sponge can grow. So if we do that one thing, to understand the soil sponge, to understand flows of energy within a living system, that can address pretty much everything that we're worried about with the climate, with public health, with even with conflicts over resources. So it can address CO2, rising CO2 in the atmosphere, right? By putting that CO2 to work at building life. Always look at the bright side of life. Da-dum, 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 da-dum. Building plants, them, plants building themselves, plants feeding carbon out through their roots in the form of carbohydrates and sugars that, that then becomes the bodies of all of the living things underground. Rebuild and rebuild the sponge. It can address the the temperature change not only through the carbon, through you know reduce CO two, but also through transpiration, through just having more soil moisture. It makes a cooler region, so we can get regional cooling and potentially even global cooling mm-hmm. just by having a soil sponge. So tell me, what do you think is going to happen anyway? Please share, subscribe, support, and rate this show and all those amazing things you do with podcasts. Just go to alivepodcast.net. Engage with Alive by recording your questions into pod inbox forward slash alive. This show celebrates the wonders of being alive.